Spirituality in this sense is like really learning our own rhythms and how we attune to these very subtle currents that are so charged with love, intelligence, purpose, meaning. And these currents, they, they guide our lives if we let them. Hi, this is Dr. Mallory Craycroft. I'm so excited for our episode today. We have a really exciting guest. His name is Thomas McConkie. And we are going to be talking with you all about spirituality. And for those of you who have followed along with me, you know that spirituality is one of our six wellness pillars. And the wellness pillars, as a reminder, are sort of the building blocks that we use to um, really assess where we're at in our overall wellness. And whenever we talk about wellness, we talk about living an intentional and meaningful life filled with happiness. And that's really what the goal of all of this is. So today we're digging into how does spirituality play a role in this? And Thomas, I, I use these six pillars and spirituality is one of these major six components of our overall wellness. Mm. So we're going to talk a lot about um, what that means. Can you share a little bit, introduce yourself a little bit, tell um, our listeners a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure Absolutely. to be here. Uh, yeah. And spirituality is a big topic and I'd be interested to get into a conversation with you about what we mean by spirituality. Exactly. Um I was raised Christian and from an early age found that the church program wasn't working so well. And then by happenstance kind of fell in with a Sangha, a group of Zen Buddhists. And so really kind of took to the path of meditation. And over the years, training, practicing in Buddhism, I started to become more sensitive to the subtleties of like, oh, maybe this is why my mom and dad were so interested in spirituality. I mean, their their version of spirituality on the surface looked very different than the Zen Buddhists. But what I appreciate about my upbringing is that seeing both, you know, Christianity and Buddhism play off of each other, I realized, you know, I think there's something deeper, there's something maybe beyond either tradition or any tradition, but nevertheless, it seems to be vital to my humanity. And but to your point, what makes me happy and healthy? So it's just been a big question in my life and a really joyful exploration. Yeah, and, and a big exploration. You know, I think a lot of people who explore their spirituality, maybe they go to a different church down the road, or maybe <laughs> totally. they stop going to church altogether yeah. and just um, start, you know, going into nature or sure. things like that. And you... Moved to a different country. Yeah, I, I shaved my head and moved to yes. Asia, which, you know, some people do that. Yeah, uh, some people do. I, yeah, that was the part of the world that called to me. That was the kind of spirituality that I was resonating with at the time. Specifically, um, one of my meditation teachers gave me a copy of the Tao Te Ching. And mm -hmm. I thought, this is so amazing. I want to learn how to read this in Chinese. And I want to really understand what the words are pointing to. So that that just it's amazing. That gave my life a lot of shape, and you know, to this day, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I appreciate how unique people's spiritual paths are. Um, I've, I've been in my own path, in my own practice, long enough, and I've worked with enough people to realize that one element to a really vibrant spirituality is honesty with oneself. Like, is this what? is bringing me to life. Yes. So that's a big thing. Absolutely. Can you recall back? I know it's been a, a little while since this yeah. since this journey really started for you. Can you remember what it was about spirituality that you felt like you were chasing? Like was there one element or something that you 
were looking for? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, let me like really try to drop into, I'm going back <laughs> to like my 12 year old self here. Yes. To like really take your question in. Um, it's, it's something like an intuition from early on in life. And this, to me, this is not special to me. This is a human intuition we have that there's the world that our senses present to us, see, hear, feel, taste, smell, like there's the what the world looks like mm -hmm. on the surface. But then there's, there's a, a kind of inner knowing and inner sensing where we're somehow alive to more subtle realities that feel very fulfilling and nourishing mm -hmm. and intrinsically rewarding. So it was, you know, from a young age, I was kind of picking up on cues in the environment. I, I grew up in an intensely religious family so they did a they helped me a lot in kind of pointing out these like very refined spiritual states yeah. you know growing up christian it was all about how do you like know when you're feeling the holy spirit and how do you live in a way that the holy spirit can guide you and instruct you and help you so from like the time i was a little kid i was like kind of listing in like how's my heart is that the yes. spirit um and 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 the search only becomes more complex and nuanced and rich and rewarding if we stay with it, I've found. Absolutely. And I, I think this leads perfectly into what I want to talk about next, which is diving into what is spirituality. Right. And I think you kind of just described it as that pull, right? That pull to something deep inside of us <clears throat> that seems to be connected to something bigger. Yeah. And the way that I've discussed spirituality and wellness is yeah. this idea of how we connect to the deepest, truest version of ourself, that yeah. that piece of something really special inside. Yeah. And also how we connect to sort of the biggest, grandest right. part of the universe. Totally. Right? Do, what what are your thoughts on that? I, I can hardly do better than that definition. I quite like what you said. Um Something that occurs to me in the moment, I heard uh, Richard Rohr, who's a, you know, a Catholic, I'll call him a monk. I don't know <laughs> if he would appreciate it. I think I think he'd appreciate that <laughs> designation, but he's a really well-known author and thought leader and uh, spiritual leader, really. And he said something, I heard this years ago that really struck me. Um, somebody asked him what enlightenment is from his perspective as, um, as a Franciscan monk and uh he said to me enlightenment is when the invisible world becomes more important than the visible world hmm. and that really struck me like i yeah. thought that was quite an intuitive and beautiful way to talk whatever awakening is enlightenment it, but spirituality in this sense is like really learning our own rhythms mm -hmm. and how we attune to these very subtle currents that are so charged with love, intelligence, purpose, meaning. And these currents, they, they guide our lives if we let them. Something like that is happening in spirituality, I think. I love that, that idea of the spirituality all around us too. Because I've thought kind of right. the smallest of the small and the biggest of the big, but it's also the current, it's right? In it's us everywhere. And, us. and I think you can see that in nature. You know, we all get that special feeling when you're out in nature and you feel right. like, the earth is alive and you know i think that's that that sort of spirituality that we feel yeah kind of flowing around us for sure and that's one of the uh, maybe the creative challenges of modern life how do we maintain a connection with life force and this vibrant spirit in you know like you know this 
busy every day. City life that's mm -hmm. grinding us down, right? That's yeah. I mean, I think human beings were more advantaged in many ways than any people to ever populate the planet mm -hmm. and also challenged in ways to connect to yeah. our authenticity and our, our spirit. With so, the busyness. Yeah. Well, you brought up the question. Are you going to give us the answer of how, how do you do it? <laughs> Let's see if the we'll answer emerges <laughs> during this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so another thing that I think comes up when we talk about spirituality is the idea of religion, right? Yeah. And I think that it is fairly taboo to talk too much about religion. Yeah. And because of that, I think some people are scared away from talking about spirituality. Right. So what is, in in your view, what is the difference between spirituality and religion? I am going to offer a Buddhist response for this question that just Great. occurs to me in the moment. There are a lot of ways to think about it. I really, I appreciate the designation of spiritual, but not religious. I think it is saying something important about I might not want to associate myself with an organization institution that has thousands of years of history of oppression, yes, et cetera. Yeah. Um, th that topic aside, for me, from maybe a more Buddhist perspective, hopefully it resonates with you know, <laughs> your listeners. Um, to me, religion is potentially the external expression of an inward reality. In that sense, spirituality and religion always go hand in hand. There, there's the inner spiritual experience and realization. And that realization is always expressed somehow, right? So, so a Buddhist sitting in meditation is having a particular spiritual experience or a realization. And the outward form, the religion of that spiritual experience is the meditation posture. Yeah. It's so I, I like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like to take the conversation out of like, let's not talk about institutions and religious identity so much as just acknowledge that there's always the aspect of form in human yes. life. Like our, our behaviors give rise to new forms mm -hmm. and, and those forms are useful. Like they, they even become ritualized over time and you know, those become our religious traditions. And in fact, runs away with itself. We get into a lot of mischief and problems. Yes. Yeah. But I, I personally don't think, you know, religion is a problem if we, you know, if we define it in a way that is inclusive and yeah. supportive of our own like inner desire for what do we want in our spiritual life? And how can we create forms and rituals that express and support our, our inner longing? Something yes. like that. Yes, no, just something like that. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> I thought just, it was let's, perfect. Let's just edit that out. It didn't make any sense. So. <laughs> no, it was perfect. It was so perfect. In fact, I think what you're saying, it's a tool. It's just an external tool. Yeah. But if we if we lose sight of the spirituality and we're just using a tool, then it's sort of an empty, it's empty. It doesn't really get us anywhere necessarily. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, um, so if we were to take spirituality and religion to be two sides of the same coin, which I understand some people might not want to do. But if sure. we were to do that, we could say, okay, like too much of one thing leads to pathology, it yes. leads to excess. So if, if I'm just spiritual and I have no form, no religion, well then like, how do I express, how do I deepen, how do I share and create community around spirituality? It, Gosh, it becomes very so difficult. Huge. And then on the other side of the spectrum, if all I have is religion, all I have is form and I have my books and my buildings and my meetings, but I have no inner life. I mean, we, we need both. We clearly wow. need both. I love that so much. I love that idea of, because I think in an era, in this stage of time, 
that religion and and organized religion can be a fairly inflammatory topic. You know, sure. I think it can it can elicit a lot of issues, <laughs> problems for sure, and for good reason. Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. But I I think that it's bred a lot of people who say I'm a spiritual, I'm just a spiritual person, right? Which is great. Yeah. But without any sort of form, without any sort of structure to developing that spirituality, right. that too can sort of be a little bit. Of just a nebulous concept, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily move forward to where people want to be. That's right. I, I in my experience, uh, it takes a certain amount of structure and holding and form. It takes container, yes, to allow a spiritual experience to gestate, to yeah. mature, to to manifest its fruits. But that container can look. It can look. Ways. It can look different. It should, and I. Th yes. I think we're alive at a time where humanity is dramatically and necessarily reinterpreting religion and its forms because mm -hmm. we've inherited some forms that many of us aren't so happy about. I look at that as a net gain for humanity. But I work with a lot of people in community who, like, out of a sense of justice, actually, and human dignity, they've said, "I don't want to have anything to do with form," and I think. My my opinion is that what they often mean is like, there are certain forms I want to have nothing to do with, mm -hmm. but I don't want to throw all form out. I need some form. I need some ritual. I need some community to enact something powerful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so big. Now, on the flip side of that, you mentioned, you know, how can religion sort of get in the way of spirituality? Yeah. I think that's absolutely <laughs> something that that probably yeah. most of us have seen when religion becomes too much ritual without <clears throat> the underlying spiritual current and yeah. can maybe even get in the way of what we're trying to do, which is totally connect. Totally. That's well said. I mean, one of the one of the mainstays of my spiritual life has been Buddhist meditation. Mm -hmm. And I see to this very day the temptation. So here I am. I have my I have my shrine. I have my my zabutan and zafu, my cushion set mm -hmm. that I sit on. It's like it's it's worship to me. I sit yeah. there every morning to start my day, and every single day there's the possibility of waking up on the cushion or going to sleep. Mm. And that's the thing about the forms. That's the thing about all ritual. It's it's ritual. It's ritualized. It's stereotyped behavior. So potentially it can be such a supportive environment. We just totally let go into it and it allows something deeper to come through because we're so relaxed. We're yeah. so surrendered to the form. So you're not recreating it every time right. it is ritual. It frees yeah. up the bandwidth to just like release myself into some higher expression. Yeah. Or I've done it so many times. It's like, oh, 6 a.m. Right. Time to sit. Yeah. Yep. And then yep. 20 minutes later, I'm like, well, I did my meditation again, but it actually is putting me to sleep. I'm just doing the same thing over and over for the sake of doing it, for right. the sake of stability and continuity. So, you know, like our, our greatest freedom is also our potential captor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and it's the mind, the the presence we bring to whatever we're doing, like, you know, glass of water, um, any any. Buddhist worth his or her salt will tell you if you drink this glass of water wholeheartedly and give your whole being to it, it's it's nirvana itself. It's yeah. total freedom. So yeah. the form doesn't matter. It's what are we bringing to the form? Yeah. So I'll drink to that. <laughs> That's really fascinating. And I love you mentioned the word presence, which is perfect because yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I think that that um, 
you had mentioned on one of your other um, podcasts that I've heard you on, mm. this idea of being fully present with present with our physical, emotional part oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, our yeah. thoughts. Yeah. So will you go into that a little bit? Like how, <laughs> yeah. when we talk about this sort of esoteric idea yeah. of being present, like what does that mean? Yeah, the vocabulary is tough. I mean, it, I try to talk about it as plainly as I can so it's accessible, but it's like, it's like anything. I mean, you know, you're a doctor, you have your jargon and right. if you like really you know, unleashed it on me right now. Yeah. I'm totally lost. I'm trying, <laughs> like you talking to a patient, I try to like make my, my, um, my work very simple and accessible. Yeah. I think of, uh, like human experience, we could say spiritual experience as comprising at least three bodies. So when we say the word body in modern English, we hear like, Oh, the body. Sure. Duh. Yeah. But in the traditions, if you study the ancient canons and the a, a history of spirituality this especially comes through in the eastern traditions hinduism buddhism but it's it's not alien to the abrahamic traditions at mm -hmm. any rate i'm just establishing mm -hmm. hopefully some credibility here and saying there's a long-standing human tradition of thinking of ourselves in terms of like different kinds of embodiment there's the physical body and to be totally present in the physical body we all know like when we've had a good run or when we climb a mountain or a, a, like a yoga class, there's a special kind of energy and aliveness in yeah. it that how could we say it's not spiritual? Mm -hmm. But then we could take another like more subtle body, like mental and emotional life. Mm -hmm. In a given moment, we, we have this notion in spirituality that like, oh, if I'm in my head and I'm having thoughts, that's not spiritual. But if I'm in, in, my, I'm in my heart, I'm in my body, I'm in nature, that's spiritual. Right. But really, why draw lines um, like, part of the fullness of our humanity is also mental emotional so again it's like what kind of relationship am i going to have with my thoughts what kind of relationship am i going to have with my emotions mm -hmm. and that gets into a more like what i would call a subtle embodiment like am i able to be so present that i notice a negative thought coming up and decide like you know i'm not going to elaborate on that because i know that's not going to help me or you know people around me uh with with challenging emotions it's like being present to negative emotions for example and being able to work with them in a positive way let them inform me don't obsess fixate let them go so there's a whole protocol around how to be embodied at a mental emotional level and then at an even more subtle level of just being aware in the traditions they have different names for this but they call awareness itself a body hmm. and how throughout a given day how often am i just like collapsed in my head all the time i mean right. this is the condition of the modern adult but with a little bit of intention and a little bit of practice i can actually train myself to be spacious and open and awake and in that context of openness and wakefulness then when thoughts come up feelings come up discomfort in the body comes up there's such a big container for it, namely awareness or spirit. It's like, oh, I, it's workable. I can handle this. Yeah. So I'm just describing, I'm doing a, a, a little bit of a, a mindfulness body sweep to remind us that when we're in a collapsed state, it's like I'm just obsessing about, you know, something that I hope doesn't happen 10 years from now. Yeah. When I'm in a more embodied and integrated state, like I'm, I'm cooperate, I'm one with the body. I'm one with mind and emotion. I'm one with awareness and spirit. And when we're embodied at all those levels, 
the subjective experience of that is like, wow, what a beautiful moment it is actually. Absolutely. Like it's amazing that you and I are actually just here resonating with each other yeah. and connecting and sharing our spirituality with people generous enough to listen. Yeah. When we really tune in that way to the fullness of the moment, it's like, oh, wow, this is by definition a spiritual experience. I totally agree. And I love that explanation. I think that sometimes these these more spiritual terms like embodiment and presence and all yeah. of these things can be i think some people want to brush it away like ah, i don't want to go there i don't want to think about those right. things but they're things that we're all doing every day right. and just like you said we can get sort of wrapped up in our busyness and in our right. to-do list and in our mechanical sort of going through the day and we can live that life that's fine but if we do want to connect to this undercurrent yes. that I think is the closest thing to magic. Yes. <laughs> there is, you totally. know, this it's this something outside of us that yeah. comes inside of us yeah. and informs us and stretches us and yeah. grows us and totally. teaches us. Totally. And if we want to do that, yeah. then we have to make space for it. Yes. And so opening yeah. up and just allowing that whatever yeah. to fill us. I love I love that explanation. You said that really beautifully. So coming back to presence, to me, presence is being embodied and present at all levels of our being. And when we are present physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there's that sense of what you called magic. It's like, yeah. oh, this is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think to me, I'll just, if I can segue into spiritual practice, um, I mean, I'm reminded of Jesus's teaching in the New Testament. He's like, anybody can love the people that loves you, loves them, but can you love your enemy? Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of spiritual practice, it's like anybody can have a spiritual experience when they're having a spiritual experience. Yeah. Can you have a spiritual experience when it doesn't feel spiritual? Can you access that sense of fullness and peace and openness and surrender? when life is doing exactly what you hoped it wouldn't yeah so i think to me if we're to use this term spiritual practice it points to something really important which is when the chips are down when life is really hard can we still find that part of ourselves that is not subject to the brutality of the fluctuating conditions of human life like that the peace that passeth understanding the still point of the turning world the, yes. the poets have called it yes. different things but it's it's the part of us that's happy beyond conditions it's just indomitable freedom and peace and love and we're all that we're all that and practicing it just means like this is so important i'm going to take a few minutes a day to really remind myself that this is who i am Absolutely. And yeah. and what a pity, you know, all of us are a work in progress. And I feel like I've had moments that I can really access my spirituality. Right. And I have definitely had phases in my life where I feel like I'm I'm numb to yes. those, You're to right. that access. And I'm I'm just not able to engage that spirituality. But right. with this idea of it being fairly magical, you know, this this feeling of another power within us, right. I think what a pity that we're we don't maximize it. Right. So for <laughs> for someone who feels a little numbed or yeah. feels a little sort of, you know, lost in terms of their spirituality. It could be because their religion doesn't seem to be the religion they thought it once was, or sure. maybe they don't feel like their needs are being met within their religion, or maybe they haven't found a religion that supports their spirituality, but whatever reason yeah. they're stuck, they yeah. feel numbed. What do you, what do you say to someone like that? Like, okay, I, I want what you're talking about. Yeah. I buy into it, but I, I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. Like totally. I'm stuck. Yeah, totally. Well, what comes to mind when you ask that is 
like let's take the word numb let's take the experience of numb we tend to create a drama in the mind like i want to feel spiritual but instead i feel numb and so the problem is that i'm feeling a way that i don't want to feel but actually i've found and this is i'm taking a page from the buddhist playbook here i'm you know that's fine with wish me. i could say i invented <laughs> this stuff but really the numbness itself is a potentially like it's a ritual it's a complete experience yeah. like yeah. the numbness itself is feeling mm. is sensation i can bring wholeheartedness yeah. to wow i feel totally numb but can i get really interested and even precise mm. about like where do i feel numb mm -hmm. where's that showing up in the body what associations do i have with this numbness what judgments do i have about it the numbness in the end turns out to be as worthy a gateway into the grandest spiritual experience as any other spiritual experience yeah. right it, uh it's in, in buddhism we call it the gateless gate there's actually nothing between us and our goal right now mm -hmm. there's nothing separating us from spirit and our higher ideals so if it's numbness that life gives us let's not let this numbness go to waste mm -hmm. let's not pretend like oh if i just weren't numb i'd be okay it's like no the numbness is the spiritual practice right now i love that because it, i mean it's you can't ever feel nothing like we are never void right. of all of all sensation right, right? like right. We, we will never be like void of sensation yeah. so that numb can be the sensation exactly that we can explore exactly we always have something to start with yeah i love that yeah so what about for the person who says you've 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 won me over i believe <laughs> that spirituality has a place in my life yeah but i, I don't know i don't know what i believe in i don't know about this concept of god or what like yeah. where do i start where yeah. do i even begin there's a um i mean there are a lot of stories from the traditions that describe i think a wisdom here that you're pointing to um again uh, you know jesus keeps coming up for me uh you know the moment when jesus invites the fishermen to come be fishers of men and they cast their nets down mm -hmm. i i love that scene christian or not i love the scene because it it to me it's metaphorical of we all have spiritual intuition, very deep spiritual intuition and intelligence. And we all know when our heart leaps, when we taste something good or feel something that's real and true and worthy of our devotion. So I would say to anybody who's wondering about the path, like don't pretend like you don't know a lot mm -hmm. about the intuitions of your own heart and really what brings you to life and don't be afraid to follow those intuitions and those impulses like really follow it trust your nose follow your feet like go there that's huge to give give ourselves permission yeah. to say i don't know but right. i i do know inside like i know yeah. there's some pull inside yeah. you kind of like what you did when you were a kid right when you were 12 or 13 yeah following a little that bit following that pull somewhere a little bit yeah, yeah. I, i'm thinking of the poet mary oliver as well um she says you do not have to be good you only have to let your soft animal body love what it loves yeah she's pointing to that wisdom of like don't pretend you don't know what you love but i think many of us are 
in some ways estranged from our inner authority, our personal mm -hmm. authority. And maybe that's part of the first step to restore personal authority and say, no, I, I know what I love. I love what I love mm -hmm. and I'm going to love it, damn it. Yeah. You know, that kind of quality. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that kind of spiritual fierceness um, goes a long way. Gosh, it's huge. And demanding that there is something spiritual because I think a lot yeah. of people when they feel lost or numb feel like, well, maybe it's not, maybe there's nothing. Maybe, yeah. there, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But to demand, like, I know there's something there and I'm not going to stop until I figure it out. Yeah. I think is is worth it. You know, I think that's really great. Yes. And I think um, Glennon Doyle, I love in Untamed, she talks a about a lot of different things. But one of the things she talks about is her experience connecting with her inner self, which she calls the knowing. Mm. And she later defines it as God. And cool. her wife says, well, what what if you're wrong? What if it's not God? What if it's just you? Right. And she said, well, what a wonderful thing that would be if I yeah. knew that I was always there for myself and I yeah. would always lead myself appropriately. But right. she describes that spirituality as, as liquid gold flowing through her veins. Yeah. You know, she sinks down into the knowing and yeah. feels that yeah. sort of spiritual current going, going through her. So I love, right. I love just that idea of chasing that, you know, chasing that and believing that it's there and not letting anything shake that. Beautiful. I love it. Meditation is something that I talk to a lot of patients about, yeah. partially for its practical benefits. You know, mm -hmm. it it's counter to the busyness of this crazy world we live in. I, yeah. I take care of a lot of moms and moms with little kids, their brains don't ever get any space, you yeah. know? So we talk about how your brain constantly working needs a break for sure. and that meditation can provide that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there can be a spiritual component. Absolutely. Yeah. But regardless, if someone says, I have a lot of people who say, oh, I tried that once. I couldn't get my brain to turn off. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really work for me. Yeah. What would you say to a newbie? Let's, yeah. let's say they're already converted to the idea that meditation might have some benefit for them. Yeah. What would you say to them trying to kind of reach this part of them to, to introduce this practice? I would say a couple things. Um, the one is that uh, if we've spent a lifetime building up momentum in the way of like frenetic outer activity and the really unruly inner life, mental life, then we shouldn't expect all of that to come to a screeching halt the first time we decide right. to practice meditation. It, it takes some time to unwind. Right. There's that. But I would also say one of the biggest, um, maybe one of the most damaging myths that I see with people who are interested in meditation is this sense that like my my success at meditation is directly proportionate to how few thoughts I have. Yes. If I sat still for 10 minutes and my mind was somehow miraculously pretty quiet, that's a good meditation session. And if I'm just thinking about the grocery list and all the things I have to do this week, that's a bad meditation. It's actually much more subtle than that, what meditation is. And it's good news for all of us those of us who have thinking minds that just churn out thoughts yes. all day. Yeah. In meditation, I would say one of the primary skills we're developing is how to come into a whole new relationship, not just with thought, but with all experience. Namely, that skill of relating to things non-possessively. Okay. What I mean by non-possessively is like, oh, if there are a lot of thoughts, can I really, really relax with that and be okay? Mm -hmm. Period. You're not in control. Period. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, a lot of thoughts right now. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, the more I relax, the more I open up to this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Busy mind right now. The more I do that, 
the more I drop into a kind of deeper identity that I've been pointing to throughout our conversation, I drop into an identity that's deeper than the thoughts. Yeah, It's so much deeper than the thoughts that whether there are many thoughts, few thoughts or no thoughts, that's immaterial because I know who I am. I'm not confusing who I am with the thinking mind anymore. I know I'm something much more profound, much more free mm -hmm. than the mind could ever be. Mm -hmm. So to just sit still for a few minutes and you know, have an intention to let conditions be as they are, let it come, let it go, let it come, let it go. Yeah. Find yourself a good teacher, find yourself a little community you can practice with, and you build that muscle like any skill you train. And before long, people are totally amazed that like, wow, that condition that would have ruined my whole day, week, or decade Mm -hmm. There's something in me deeper now than that condition that's just like, oh, yeah, it's let come, let go with everything. It's just these are the conditions right now. I can let it in and I can decide how I'm going to respond. It, in short, meditation is, I believe it's what we are, at the deepest level. It's meditation. It's we could call it this open space of awareness and loving kindness towards all of conditions and it just says yes to what's here right now i say yes to it and then i respond how i feel is appropriate we can all learn to do that it has yeah. nothing to do with how many thoughts i have in my mind in a given moment so if someone <laughs> says like okay i sat i did what you said yeah. what what should i expect like what am i going to feel what's what yeah. sort of transformation transformation like yeah. what's success how do i know if i'm I'm good at yeah. meditating, which I would argue there is no good, but, sure. but yeah. It's, yeah, and that's a complex question. And like anything, if we wanted to learn a musical instrument or mm -hmm. train for a marathon, you know, it wouldn't hurt to like uh, train under a world champion sure. marathon runner. Like it, it helps to have a teacher in all things. Um, but I would say, you know, a sign of success, uh, it's, you know, taking the formal time to, be present and open to conditions as they are. Mm -hmm. And then we start to notice over time as we train this capacity more and get better at it. Like I pointed to a moment ago, conditions are what they are. And in random moments throughout day, throughout life, I catch myself like, whoa, I am way less uptight in this moment than I would have been a month ago. I'm way more present and allowing like, man, I really didn't want the car to break down or to lose my job or to get COVID or whatever. Yeah. But then there's something like, okay, that's what's happening right now. What are we going to do? There's so the power. we, yeah, we notice that just coming up throughout life, that attitude of like, okay, this is what's here. How am I going to work with it? I love that. And I'm glad you say that because I, I thought that was it, but <laughs> I'm a newbie to meditating. And yeah. that was one of the first things I found as I've just barely started. I don't meditate every day, but I, yeah. I meditate now several days a week. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I've found is, and what I've shared, and now I'm glad I was right. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I've shared is you practice. You yeah. practice getting your brain and your heart and your mind and your soul into this state yeah. And the more you practice, then the more you can draw on that strength. And totally. it's it's physical. Yeah. It's parasympathetic response. It's part of our autonomic, autonomic nervous system. Right. But it is also strengthening that kind of mind-body spiritual connection. Yeah, so, no, exactly. Do you mind if I put a finer point on it? Because I like I, I want to support the listeners to make sure yes. they're equipped to succeed <laughs> at meditation. Um, 
at the level of the physical body, the physical body wants to be comfortable. Yes. If the physical body is hungry or uncomfortable, it'll change postures. It'll get a little something to eat, turn up the thermostat. Like we're always trying to get comfortable. At the level of the mind, we could say we hate to be confused. We hate to not know what's going to happen next. We want to have answers. We want predictability. So those are the conditions where basically, as I see it on a very simple level, the body wants to be comfortable, yeah. the mind wants answers. Meditation is training a deeper identity to come forth. It's like sometimes the body's not comfortable and sometimes mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do have some have answers, sometimes you don't. But like, what okay. would it be like an athlete to like train this identity of like, it's okay, comfort, discomfort, yeah. knowing, unknowing, clarity, confusion. Yeah, It means I can actually show up for all of my life yeah. Not just the part I like and then resent the rest of life. It means I can have a whole human life. And I don't know a more powerful skill to learn as a human no. being than that. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And one of the things we talk a lot about in wellness is the whole dynamic of life. You know, we don't want right. a monochromatic life experience. Right. We want the dynamic. Yeah. We just want to thrive in the dynamic experience. We yes. don't want to be swept aside in the current yes. and lose control, but yeah. we want to thrive and we yeah. want to experience that whole dynamic. Amen. I love it. Absolutely. Well, tell me, last question here, how has spirituality, and this can be a little answer, a big answer, but how has spirituality just contributed to your happiness or your wellness? Mm. Yeah, that's, I know that's well, kind of what we've been question. talking about. Yeah, big question. I don't know how to pair that with a tiny answer. Let me <laughs> think about that. I mean, what what comes up for me when you ask that is the world as it is, just the surface of it. We started the conversation with like the surface level of appearances. In my opinion, the world is improbably beautiful. It's yeah. like, wow, like if I were going to be born into any body on any planet, this is quite a beautiful planet and species to belong to. If that were it, that would be significant. I think mm -hmm. that would be a real significant life. But for me, spirituality is the plus. It's human life plus. It's, yeah. it's that, oh, actually, there are worlds beyond worlds that are not visible to the eye of flesh, they say in the traditions, but to the eye of contemplation and the eye of mm. the heart, we can become aware of and alive to these more subtle currents. And beauty doesn't even begin to describe the power, the magic, the love, the transformative potential of these worlds. So what, what has it been for me? It's taken a really good and worthy life worth living and made it exponentially better. And that's hard to beat. I mean, if we could all have that, <laughs> then that's what we're going for. Yeah. I wish we could keep talking forever because I feel like I'd love to dig into this idea of it, control. You know, yeah, that so much big, of this is, yeah. is so much of our unhappiness is brought about by trying to control things that they that we can't control. And then we get disappointed because they're not being controlled yes, versus what exactly. you're describing is yeah. release and acceptance right. Right. and and peace. That's you know, right. Which is, yeah. Then we can see right. you're not so busy wrapped up in trying to control things or fix things. That's right. That you can just see and appreciate. So, yeah, no, I'd say for another conversation to have like from this deeper identity we know when we can control when it's appropriate to control yes. like no my two-year-old can't yes. like break that vase right there that's not okay but in other situations that deeper identity knows when to submit exactly. so it's like control submission 
and like the deeper spiritual identity can do both yeah and do which one's appropriate in a given moment but the you know the natural man you know the egoic operating system it, it basically just knows control yeah it's stuck in a gear and it creates a lot of suffering in our in every area of life so yeah yeah. Oh man, well I have so enjoyed this. Yeah, I feel too, way uh, smarter just you. talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank well, you so much for yeah, coming on. You, I Mel. so I appreciate it. it. Yeah. For those of you who want to follow along with Thomas and learn more about what he is doing, you can find him on his website, which is lowerlightswisdom.org and on social media at lowerlightswisdom. He's also written a book called Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis that is really fantastic and you should check out. Thanks for listening and come back next time for another episode. And remember, this information is for education only and not intended to be medical advice.